0: Scores. Gilmore scores. With one of the three left. Off the glass, to left corner to a Gidlov. A left circle. Pass to the shot. saved. made by all the 3 rebounds. Another shot. They score. The
1: Flames with it. Yeah, baby. They score.
2: And the sea of red erupts. Flames talk starts. Now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan, here's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers. Get
1: a new week going. How we doing? It is Monday, January 15th, and we're underway this hour on Flames Talk with Aaron Vickers of NHL.com. My name is Pat Steinberg on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio here in Chile, downtown Calgary.
2: Uh, Hello, Vicks. How are we doing? The walk was not nearly as bad as you'd think, but I might have to throw the jacket on on account of the fact that there's a wall of windows Windows behind me that is giving off just a little bit of a chill and I'm kind of soft. I know I was going to make fun of you for being Charmin, but the jacket might come out.
1: It's well well established that I am. so
2: Fair enough. I don't don't need to. uh, And and I don't need to drive the point home.
1: Oh, it just, it is what it is. I'm soft. I don't camp. I don't like to spend time <laughs> outside when it's when it's cold. You can't. I don't, I don't camp. Is I'm, where you went first. I'm soft. I I'll be the first to admit it. Need indoor plumbing? Is that I'm the a, issue? Indoor plumbing, electricity, heat. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm a soft boy. You can boy. get
2: electricity. I'm just saying. I'm a soft boy.
1: Um, you sure do uh, get the sense as we kick off this hour. We got the Daily Flames roundtable later on this hour. Uh, but you sure do get the sense right now that there are some conflicted emotions from Flames fans and. I understand why. And and so you kind of have you kind of have your two poles, right? You've got your polar opposites. There there is one group of of very vocal fans that there's a very palatable desire for significant change, right? For trades, for a pivot, for a hard new direction. And and some of those people in that camp are very much for the team finishing lower in the standings. To help kickstart a new dir- new direction, there, there's there's no doubt that group exists, and there's no doubt that group is vocal. And I'm not saying that there there's no as we're getting into this conversation disclaimer. There's no throwing shade at any one of the the groups. It's just a, a realization of where there are some different feelings. So you have that you have that faction of fans. You have another. I don't know if they're as vocal a group, but there's another group of fans that want their, they don't want to go through a rebuild. They don't want to go through two or three seasons where it feels like making the playoffs is a long shot. They want their team to win. they They're season ticket holders or game pack holders or or fans who just like tuning in on TV. And watching the team win games. They like to cheer for wins, and, and that's that's the most important thing. And winning now and, and being good every year is is a big priority for them. Who subscribe to the just get in, you get a ticket to the dance, and, and you've got yourself an opportunity. Nothing wrong with that. And then I think there's the middle ground. And that middle ground is the group that I think makes up a large amount of Flames fans right now. Fans who realize this team probably does need to pivot in some form or another to some extent and and does need to get a little younger, but also enjoys cheering for wins and cheering for their team if they make the playoffs and enjoys when the team does well. So there's a realization that a pivot is needed. And so if the team doesn't do as well, it's like, OK, well, there's the there's the silver lining that this, this and that might happen. But at the same time, it's a group of fans that really enjoys their team winning. And it's that group where I think the conflicted emotions are being felt most right now with our buddy dylan and revelstoke or our buddy mike or just trying to think of some of our other you know george on george on post game, or uh some of the other you know parsons on post game i just trying to think of some of the the regular contributors we have uh from our our listening group on flames talk those are the people that i think are the most conflicted right now because they see a team playing some pretty good hockey right now which we'll get into they see a team that took quality wins over Nashville and Minnesota and Vegas and Arizona here over the last couple of weeks. And they see where they are in the standings. They see that they're two points back and, and don't really give off the sense that they're going to fall completely out of this thing. So, yeah, the, I think those are the group, that, that's the group, Vix, and I'm curious to see if you've picked up on, on the similar thing. I think that's the group that's like, how hard do we bite? on the way the team has played of late. And how excited do we get about the way that they've played of late? I, I do get that sense. And maybe it's easier for me to get that sense because I'm reading the text line yeah. daily. And because I part of it is there, there's a lot of mentions and, and scouring on social media, all those types of things. I've, I've picked up a lot of that over the last little while.
2: Yeah, you're not alone in that and just reading the text line whenever I'm on at 960-960. You get the sense that... am, am I. Painting this picture fairly, Team Tank tends to be a little more vocal than the win now or the pivot and change direction crowd. Is that fair to say? Because I feel like when I'm reading the text line, a lot of it is, oh, you've got to blow it up. You've got to sell everything. You've got to get any draft pick you can for any guy that's pending unrestricted free agent or not. If there's a guy that's having a career year, you've got to sell at the absolute height of his stock. To get as much as you can to go scorched earth rebuild. Does it feel like Team Tank is the vocal group of the of the three? I, I think it's the most vocal group. I think it is the loudest
1: group. And that's not a criticism of any of them. But I think the one that you hear the the loudest is, yes. is Team Tank for sure. For sure you are.
2: Listen, I get all sides of this. And the win now crowd, you always want to see your team win. You always want to try to be cheering for a win. Cheering for losing, your team losing, just sucks. And the win Now Group, you mentioned it, they subscribe to the theory of chipping a chair for the playoffs. And we've seen a handful of teams sneak in as the eighth seed and go on a magical run. For sure. And you don't have to look too far in the past of the Calgary Flames to go back to 2004 and see what happened there. And I think Calgary, perhaps more than any other fan base, realizes that, man, if you can just get in, look at the magic that can happen because we have seen it here. Now, granted, that's 20 years ago at this point, but it's still fresh in everybody's mind. And that win-now crowd, I think, realizes that rebuilds don't guarantee anything. You can tear it down and then have to tear it down before you've even built something up again. On the flip side, Team Tank, they, I'll just use the generic they, don't believe that this team can compete for a Stanley Cup as constructed. Yeah. They want to see the team win long-term. There's no, there's no questioning that they want to see the Calgary Flames win, but they're more accepting of... Short ish term pain for long term gain. And they want young, exciting players. They want somebody or a group or a demographic to rally around and, and cheer around. And what easier way to do that than prospects and young players? We we know Zary's created a buzz. We know Pospisil's created a buzz. Wolf has been, everybody's been buzzing about Wolf for four years. And Coronado's in that group as well, Pelchier. So I understand the team tank of let's tear it right down to the studs and rebuild with these young, exciting players. That always doesn't work. And then you get the group that's kind of in the middle of, we realize we're not going to win with the group we have, but we don't want to endure the long term. And we think we've got the pieces here to do it. So I understand where each faction comes from. And I just find it perhaps curious that Team Tank is the loudest of the three.
1: It's not necessarily new territory, for the flames, uh, and by the way, the text line is is lighting up, so we'll uh, definitely bring the text line in here, especially in this segment uh, at nine sixty nine sixty. Get your thoughts in if you're listening live. Steinberg and Vickers, this hour of Flames talks underway. Um, I do think, I, I I do think that the team tank crew is is very unmoved by the last little bit. I've seen a lot of that. Like there's no persuading them. Or they're well, it's, just it's not, not buying that. into just, the last stretch. This last stretch, the, the, there's a, a group of people that are not bought in. Okay, yeah, you beat Vegas without X, 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 and X, and Arizona, this, and, and blah, 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 blah. It's, and, and I get it because I'll be perfectly honest with you. I've lived through seasons that feel like this many times, covering this team yeah. in the, whether it was 10 11 or 11 12 or 15 uh, 16 or uh 17 18 bad starts and then they work their way back into it and then they inevitably miss and i'm not saying that's what's going to happen this year right i have no friggin' clue i don't know but i those those seasons have definitely happened before no questions asked um and and they can be disappointing so there are definitely a group of people that are unmoved by the way they've played um then there are people who are like hey, see, I, I told you that this team's better than what we saw in October or what we saw last year. Like, this group has, has more than, than people may give them credit for. There's, there's that group right now. But it's that middle group that I, I feel really bad for. Because, <laughs> you know, you're like, I, I kind of find myself not as a fan, but even as a, an observer and a, um, I don't know what you call me. A, you have a, a vested a, interest. A but mouthpiece. Yeah. Um, even as a, as a mouthpiece. I find myself like damn like it's better for this show, it's better for the buzz in the city when they're good and they're competitive and the playoffs are friggin' awesome. Like the the play there's no better time to host a show called Flames Talk than when the Flames are in the playoffs. It's just
2: awesome. I'll take your word for it.
1: Dude, that Maddie and I in in 2022, in April and May, that was just a blast. The numbers go through the roof. Your show is easy. You just play audio and you react to the game before and you set up the, it's it's just the best. So like, and yet at the same time, I realized that in my mind, I think a pivot of some sort is needed. So I kind of understand where the conflicted nature comes from. Um the only thing that is different because this, this is not new territory, right? Being in the playoff mushy middle in January is par for the course for the Calgary Flames over the last 15 years. What is different this year that I have never been a part of is the amount of potential franchise altering decisions that still lie in front of them and what the decision made is going to be. Cause I'll tell you if the Flames sign Noah Hannafin to an eight year, $60 million contract, which is one of the things that people have talked about. And there's a big group of fans who wanted it. That's franchise altering the same way, trading him away for three big pieces is same thing. You sign Elias Lindholm to an eight year, $72 million contract. That's franchise altering. Same way trading him is. So they, they have got, and you know what? take Chris Tanev off this team and I don't like, they're a different team without number eight back there. They just are. And so all of these things to some extent are franchise altering, even uh, whether it's smaller picture or, or big, big, big picture. And that is the thing that is so different about them being the same. And what I mean, like, yeah, we're used to the team, erasing bad starts, getting themselves back into it, different iterations of the team, Aginla and Tange, or Johnny and and Monaghan, or now this group, they've worked themselves back into it. And and for the record, I think deserve a lot of credit for working their way back into it. And Ryan Huska and that leadership crew deserves a ton of credit for blocking out all the noise that has gone along with this season and just getting back on the horse and... Buying into the Ryan Huska, um, one of the, you know, themes of the season is today's a new day and buying into that as well as they have and and not getting too caught up in a bad stretch or a good stretch. It's all about the next day's a new day. I give them a lot of credit for the way they've played and working their way back into it and winning five of seven on this hellish stretch where they traveled like 12,000 kilometers, like good on them. But we're used to where they are in January. We're just not used to where they are in January with all these decisions hanging over them.
2: So with these three factions of Flames fans, there's roughly eight weeks till the trade deadline. With what happens with the Calgary Flames over the course of those eight weeks, whether they win them all, lose them all, or somewhere in the middle, do you see any of those three factions changing course and jumping no. into another are you kidding? Into people
1: another people team. don't change opinions in twenty twenty four? Are you kidding? <laughs> oh, I was just wondering. Once cause... you've chosen a political party, it doesn't matter what happens. So you are
2: You are firm I'm not saying you, but like Listener out there, you are firmly team tank, no matter what happens. No, the I flames think, run the table. I
1: think that there are a lot of very reasonable people who, who I feel like the win now this team, team and listen to this show. The win
2: now team, I feel like would be the most amicable to changing course depending on what happens to the flames between today and the NHL trade deadline on March eighth. I don't think you're prying anybody off a team tank, and I don't think you're even going to necessarily move anybody off of that middle ground where. Yeah, we recognize that we want them to win, but we also feel like some tweaks or some adjustments or some pivots need to be made mm-hmm. to ensure that this team is competitive next year and the year after and the year after that, instead of always being in this mushy middle come January. I was just curious to ask you about, is anybody going to jump from team to team here, depending on what happens between now and the NHL trade deadline? I uh,
1: want to leave a lot of space for text, so let's go. Let's, uh, because- you know, I thought, <laughs> it blew I thought, up. I thought it might get some response, but jeez, no, there's like no text in the text line, and all of a sudden, there's a lot of them. Uh, let's start at nine sixty nine sixty on this conversation, as I, I I'm curious. Some I'm just kind of previewing them. Some are unmoved. Some are very moved. Some are bought in. The one thing we haven't talked about with the way this team is playing, and you could make a very easy argument that this group could get even more red hot. Because of the guy between the pipes, yep. who is looking like an elite goaltender right now. Not
2: looking like it. He just is. He just is at this point.
1: Yes, that's very. And, yep. and look, I mean, you know how I feel. If you listen to this program, you know how I feel about Jacob Markstrom since the day they signed him. Uh, and, and really, my opinion of him has not changed since the day they signed him, despite how last year went. <laughs> um, so let's just read a few texts. Uh, this from Sam. He may encapsulate everything that people are feeling. Uh, I believe I'm on the fence with this team. I think going the way of a retool and a not blow it up to the studs is the way to go. Though I agree, if you get it, anything can happen. If you get in, anything can happen. But I would much rather have a perennial playoff team rather than a just scratch and claw to just get in team or just miss by a couple of points. Enough with the mushy middle ages that have been the Flames for decades. Some changes are needed. Um, this says Team Tank how many teams in the last 20 years have ever won a Stanley Cup without bona fide elite to superstar players the Flames do not have that nor will they ever win a Stanley Cup with the team they have Um, this says uh, as long as you have a chance for the playoffs they shouldn't be tanking this team's too good to tank either way to be honest, the roster doesn't allow for them to get a top five pick, even with the three free agents gone. That comes from Jeremy in Calgary. Um, that's that's a that's a really, I think, pragmatic and honest way of putting it. Because I'm with you. I don't think this group is bad enough to tank. I I really I I think that they're too good a roster. I I think that this team where they are is pretty close to where they should be a playoff competitive team. That's kind of what I felt they were going to be this year. I think I had them to finish third in a very tight Pacific Division. That might not happen, right. but them being in the playoff mix is probably where they should be and
2: what I thought they were going to be. Well, and what's... This, this is kind of... Well, no, I had them kind of third in the Pacific Division like you and failing that, pushing for a wild card spot, which as it stands right now, they're four points back at Nashville, I think it is, for the first wild card. Two back at the Oilers, but the Oilers have played four fewer games. So, at this point, I'd even just focus on Nashville as opposed the, to everything. The,
1: the Calgary's problem right now is that they have played more games yes. than everybody, and that that is uh, one of the reasons why a lot of the playoff modelings have them near the bottom of the... I think Arizona is a little bit less than Calgary, but Calgary's an under 20% at Money Puck on uh on Which is Monday actually morning. up a
2: significant amount from a couple of weeks ago when we were on together, when it was down to like four funny
1: it it's gone down despite the fact they've won five of seven yeah which is and and i'm not saying that money pucks playoff projections are bonafide gospel but it just it's important to note that you've got nashville at 43 edmonton 39 seattle 43 calgary's about to play 44 st louis arizona at 41 and minnesota i white flag with they had it for a moment
2: and now They've kind of just they got the new a coaching
1: bit. bump, which has been quickly counteracted with the take everybody out of your roster, whatever the opposite of bump is. So, anyway, back to the text. Um, this from Ray and Calgary. In my opinion, the Flames have a number of good young players either on the team or on the cusp. Move the players who won't re sign and. Use those assets to keep pushing for a playoff spot. They shouldn't always make excuses why the Flames are on a good run. It's entertainment, so let's put the best product possible on the ice and go for wins. Again, I'm just reading the, these mm-hmm. in order. I'm not curating uh, any groups. Just kind of want to show you this all the spectrum of opinions that um, exist out there. Uh, The only goal for the team should be a Stanley Cup. They've been a middle-of-the-pack team for 20 years. They don't have any game-breaking players. The only way you get that is to draft low. The Flames have tried to just make the playoffs, and it hasn't worked. Build a legit contending team. This says signing all those players would not be franchise altering. It would just be status quo mediocrity. At least if they got some new players and some future hope, it would be different than the last 30 years. Uh, This says, I'll take a chance on a rebuild not working versus getting in the playoffs and looking pathetic. This team is not competitive. End of story. Edmonton's competitive. They have elite players. Uh, This says, I keep saying it. I do believe the Flames are already pivoting and already put into the wheels in motion to be younger. That being said, I don't think they're ready to blow it up, and I don't think they should. They do have some good prospects still to come, like Coronado and Wolf. They have a few in junior, and everybody's impressed with the ones that have already been playing in the NHL regularly. I'd say that's a good start and build off that. Do not tank. Keep things going and fill spots with younger players as needed. If you rush this thing, they could be like the Oilers and have to wait over 10 years in the basement. No thank you. My two cents. That comes from uh, Jevin in Airdrie. Um, this says, it's not team tank. It's that these players aren't good enough, so change it. Don't re-sign players to eight-year deals who can't get it done now. That's from Ben in traffic. Um this says, um, full-blown rebuilds an awful idea. You need to retool around good players. Mike writes, there shouldn't be a question at all. The new core of this team is in their early 20s, and those are the pieces the team should be building around. When Zeri, Pelce, Coronado, Pospisil, and et cetera are in their peak, that's when the team should go for it. Markstrom, Lindholm, Tanev will be outside of their peak by the time the kids are ready to really compete. This reads Team tanks more vocal because the other side's happy with mediocrity. If you're okay with the status quo, you're happy with mediocrity. Uh, This says, I feel the young guys have shown that trading out the big pieces doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be terrible. Either way, they're a middle of the road team. Um, So there's just a few of the texts at 960, 960. I'll read a few more before we wrap, but there's just, I, I wanted to read a bunch of them because it gives you a good idea of. This fan, fan, X fan, Y fan, Z fan, A, B, and C. That's six different opinions they might have in terms of how they
2: see this group. Now, the one that you missed, I was hoping you would read it to cap it off. We can all be unified in not wanting to be buyers at the deadline. Because I feel like universally across those three groups, I think they would all get on board with that. Now, what you can or can may do if you're the Calgary Flames and you're feeling like you have a legit shot at the playoffs is, again, you have the option to re-sign one or two or all three of those players. I don't imagine a scenario where all three get re-signed. But if you resign one, that's almost like adding at the deadline as opposed to selling off. Just by maintaining the status quo of having that player on your roster, to me that would be a little bit of a buying without buying, without spending assets, if you will. You're retaining the player. I just think that this is such an interesting discussion, argument, debate especially just reading through the text line as you just did with a slice of guys and girls and people texting in going I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. There's some that are very close that can kind of almost be lumped into two teams there but then you've got the definitive team tank, you've got the definitive retool and then you just have the people that really want to see this team be competitive regardless and that is I mean, the best time of the year in the city, if you're a sports fan, is the NHL playoffs, if the Flames are a part of it. So I understand yeah. that group going, oh, if we could just get some playoff games in and get some buzz going, who knows?
1: Uh, a few more texts. Great stuff on the text line today. Thank you very much. I, I didn't expect you to make segment it's the segment the way avalanche that you have. of texts. Because I was ready to keep on talking, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, no, text line, they, they need to talk louder than we do because... Uh, There's some great stuff in here. Rob says, I think we're watching Fool's Gould. It reminds me of when Kiprasov hit a bunch of their flaws delaying a rebuild. That being said, they don't need to tear it down to the bricks. Lindholm, if he wants, 8x9 needs to go. I'm fine with re-signing Hannafin. If you get a good offer for Tanev, he's gone. Markstrom, if someone blows your doors off, he should be available too. I'm tired of the mushy middle. This says... The summer, uh, a summer ago after the trade, we would have ran with this team. So what happens if the big money players start playing the way they're supposed to, and this team gets red hot coming down the stretch and starts playing that way uh, and playing the way it was expected to play a couple summers ago? Do we still plan on jumping ship? What if they do start playing well consistently and suddenly want to sign? Then what? And that is one of the dilemmas that exists right now. This reads, we can all be unified in not wanting to be buyers at the deadline. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think that buying seems silly regardless of the way this goes. this says if we take points percentage, not only is Edmonton, Seattle, Nashville still ahead of the Flames, but so is St. Louis and Arizona. Absolutely. Uh, this from Curtis and Ogden. Lindholm has to go. Hannafin must stay. Tanev's a bonus. Give him to the Canucks to finish the season and resign him July first. I'd love to see him win a cup, and I could see the Canucks having and giving him that chance. My opinions up and down and left and right, day to day. That comes from Curtis and Ogden. Uh, Neil in the Northeast. I'm team win in any year. They have good pieces um and it feels like there's no need to drop down to be basement dwellers people say mushy middle but it's not perpetual they won the west and or division in prior years what they do need to see is playoff performance has nothing to do with drafting a first overall look at how many swings Edmonton had at that um flames are best to build up and fortify instead of tearing down um this from Ben. Is this the team which the experts told us were better than the team before the trade? If uh, they are, Conroy's going to have to be careful. This reads, Hannafin, you have to sign a 26-year-old first pair defenseman. Do the math. Draft picks don't care for the bird in the bush. 10% make it to the NHL, then need four to six years of seasoning to become. Hannafin, hopefully. Option two, prospects in draft, see above. Um I don't know um, if I appreciate where John is texting from, but I'll read it anyway. Uh, John in the shower says, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, they do not have a game breaker. Not going anywhere no matter what they do, if that's not the case. Cadro was. He disappeared in the playoffs, but could turn a game around. Huberdeau was that hope, but well, we know, uh, this from Dustin who says, it guts me to say, but they need to move on from Lindholm. That scares me because I've been a fan of this team my whole life. And I know how badly they needed a number one center for decades, but Hannafin's the only piece they should re-sign. That's a blue line that could build a contender if Rasmus gets done long term. Um, this says total teardown, still have risks retool on the fly, give the process a chance. And finally Team Realist here. Use the assets you have to make your good team even better. That includes Markstrom and finding out what you have in Wolf for when you are truly competitive. Uh, much, much appreciative of the great stuff on the text line. That is a uh, heck of a way to kick off the uh, kick off the hour on Flames Talk with Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. That was a lot of fun. And uh, keep the text coming. Don't uh, don't finish them off. If you enjoy skating and like to make a difference, then sign up for the Great Skate. This eight-hour team skating event is in support of In From the Cold and is happening Sunday, January 28th at the Olympic Oval. The Great Skate is open to anyone 12 years and older. All you need is skates and a helmet. It's a fun way to spend time with your family and friends while helping raise money for families experiencing homelessness. For more information and to register for this awesome event, go to greatskate.ca. That is greatskate.ca.
2: Talk is live on Calgary's hockey station. Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: Time now for a Monday edition of the Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Save thousands on the 2023 GLB 250, GLC 300 Coupe, C300, or the GLC 300. Zero down and a 2% loyalty lease rate reduction. It's Steinberg, Aaron Vickers of NHL.com. Now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames roundtable. Gents, lots of talk over the last little bit or all season. Lots of talk about certain individuals. Blake Coleman, red hot, second star of the NHL week. Good on him. Yegor Sharangovich, the struggles early and the run he's on now. Jonathan Huberto and and the ups and downs he's had. Nazem Kadri, Connor Zeri, Elias Lindholm. We've all talked about these guys kind of at length this year for different reasons. But have we talked enough about this season? And in my eyes, the, the really strong season. Have we talked enough about Michael Backlund's year as year one as the captain of the Calgary Flames?
0: Well, I can't speak for everybody else, Pat, but I feel like I've talked quite a bit about Michael Backlund uh, between his contract extension and him being given the captaincy and him recording his 500th NHL point. And then uh, just last week, him playing in games number 949 and 950 to tie and then pass Mark Giordano for second most in, in Calgary Flames franchise history and also him playing... Uh, As a combination with Blake Coleman and how good those two guys have been together, regardless of who their winger has been. So I feel like I've talked a lot about him, but uh, I think your point is he's been so steady this year, which really is who he's been for quite some time. His 200-foot game is excellent, even when he's not scoring goals and producing points, which he's been doing at a pretty good rate again this season. He's uh, still... Doing the job defensively, usually against the other team's top players, uh, plays on both sides of special teams. So he's been excellent again this season, and uh, uh, maybe we should be talking more about him. But uh, there's been a lot of other hot topics in Calgary Flames land, so maybe it's uh, been a little bit lost in all of that.
2: Yeah, Michael Backlund might be a victim of his own success and his own consistency. He's given you exactly what you would expect out of him. He's, I've used this term for a couple of players, most notably Blake Coleman, but Michael Backlund is set and forget. You can just put him on that third line center spot. He'll operate as a shutdown, 200 foot center and he'll just give you everything you'd expect. Since 2015, 2016, over an 82 game schedule, he's averaged 18 goals and 49 points. Well, this season he's on pace for 19 goals and 46 points. So he's right in that wheelhouse mm. of, he's going to give you exactly, you could pretty much, grab a pen and write down in ink what he's going to give you in terms of production, what he's going to give you in terms of the 200-foot game and and him and Blake Coleman and whoever happens to be the third on that line, you know day in, day out what you're going to get from Michael Backlund in that sense. So I think part of the reason he hasn't necessarily been to the, in the forefront of our discussions of players that have played well and performed well so far this season is simply because this is exactly what you'd expect out of Michael Backlund's game.
1: For sure. You know, the, the reason I bring this up, guys, is because that, that road trip through the Southwest U.S., he doesn't score a game winner in either game, but you know the, the goals he scored in Arizona and uh, the goal that he scored in Vegas – a were both really nice goals. The breakaway made no mistake, and 20 seconds in, in Arizona, it's one uh, nothing, and then the three nothing goal. Was the backbreaker? You talked to people in Vegas. The, I, I was I was perusing the the Vegas um, discourse online after the game because I was just curious how they were feeling with all the injuries. And you know, people in Vegas felt like, yeah, you know what, they deserved to win that hockey game. They felt they were they, they played a really strong final forty. But two things, they they couldn't figure it out how to make some of their chances better. And number two, the backland goal was an absolute backbreaker after a solid second period from them. And that was Calgary's only chance of the period and backland made no mistake on a highlight reel marker on a great pass from manjapani and so i was just it got me thinking i'm like no michael's having himself another really good season and if you take a look at his five-on-five work and penalty kill work once again where he does his best work he's one of the best players on the team right now he's number four on the team in five-on-five expected goals with by far the the hardest deployment. Like, no questions asked. His deployment mixed with his expected goals, like, I and I, I'm not trying to troll you here, Vicks, but I push back on him being the number three center. I, I think you could make a very, very salient argument that he could be this team's number one or number two center on any given night. And, you know, you take a look at expected goals. Kadri is first. Backland is fourth on the team. And the deployment is vastly different, and that's not taking yep. anything away from Nazem, who's having a hell of a year too, and could very well be their number one center on any given night. I guess my point is, is that you know this team hasn't d- doesn't turn their year around and bring themselves back into being competitive, uh, Wilsey. If if Michael just doesn't have the uh, steady and very effective year that he's having, all the defensive starts, all the tough head to head matchups, and it's just. It's same old, same old. Doesn't matter who's playing on that line. If it's Manjapani or Sharon Govich or Huberdo or whoever you put there, that line, you always know what they're going to expect. And you're probably going to elevate whoever the third guy is with Michael and Blake. And look, Blake Coleman deserves all the credit too. He's had a hell of a year. He's having the most incredible season he's had yet in the NHL and just got honored by the NHL on Monday well, we've talked a lot about Blake, and for good reason. I just wanted to—I just wanted to point out that Michael Backlin is having another outstanding year, and he's now into the stage of the season where he typically usually does his best work as second-half backs, right?
0: Yeah, and really, the Flames are in a unique situation, and we're as the the people who cover the team also in a unique situation because of the unrestricted free agents and going back to the off season, they've been the hot topics and they trade Tyler Toffoli and then they sign Michael Backlund. I can't remember which order that happened in. And then they trade Nikita Zadorov. So the three guys we're talking about most often right now are the three guys who are left. So Elias Lindtom, Noah Hannafin, and Chris Tanev. And then you go beyond that. We t- tend to talk about players because they're playing really well or because we don't think they're playing well enough. So there have been some guys on on the wrong side of that and some guys on the right side of that. And I would say Michael Backman's just kind of gone about his business and and done his job at a really high level like he has for a number of years. But I still think there's been plenty of positive talk about the Flames captain. Again, going back to the extension, we know he's not going anywhere. He's here for this season and probably two more will likely play in a thousand games and become just the second player in the history of the franchise, joining Jerome McGinley to do that. Will he push Iggy playing in 1,219 or 1,220 games and breaking his franchise record? I think these are going to be potentially talking points down the road, but uh, he's done a lot of great things. Point number 500 uh, centering a line with Blake Coleman and and whoever right now, Andrew Majapani, and and they've certainly helped turn his season around. So, uh, Michael deserves all the credit that he gets, and he's having a really strong season. And uh, he probably doesn't mind the fact that we're not talking about him as often as we maybe should be.
2: And listen, Pat, you'll never, ever get a complaint out of me by elevating Michael Backlund out of that number three spot to consider him a number two or a number one on this team. You have to remember, I am the vice president of this fan club. And the one thing that's not going to show up in any of the metrics or any of the stats as it pertains to Michael Backlund, is how much he's been a tone setter for this group off the ice. You can say what you want about him being named captain and the impact that that has had. He's managed to take that leadership that he had, that he earned that C with the way he prepares, with the way that he conducts his business. And if you talk to anybody, he's just taken it to an entirely another level, new comfort level with having the C and being able to to navigate some of the things that maybe not having that letter might have held him back from last year or years prior. That leadership element that he's brought isn't going to show up in his his individual goals and assists, but make no mistake that he is an absolute tone setter for the Flames.
1: And it is just uh, to to wrap it up before we move on to the the second part of our Flames roundtable today. It is crazy. There is 11 seconds of average five-on-five or even-strength ice time between Calgary's top three centers. So the top three even-strength ice time getters for the Flames are Lindholm, Backlund, and Kadri. Lindholm averages 1455 Backlund 1448 cadre 1444. That's what like there really is no one or three on this team. It varies from game to game, which in some ways is the strength of the flames and in other ways is a drawback, but um, it, it definitely is how the flames are going to have success. If that continues to be the case, it's uh, Derek Vickers Steinberg on your daily flames round table. Um, Gents, the Flames kick off a six-game homestand to wrap up their pre-All-Star break schedule on Tuesday night against the Arizona Coyotes, a team the Flames just pumped on Thursday 6-2 at Mullet Arena in a game that was over before you could really blink an eye. Like, when Rasmus Anderson scored to make it 3-0, you're like, "Eh, this game feels like it's over, and then they made it 4-1, and it really was. Uh, Jacob Markstrom shut the door nicely in the second period when he needed to, but guys... The Coyotes bounced back two nights later and destroyed Minnesota 6-0. And the Coyotes of all the teams in the playoff mix right now, for me, are the most surprising one that are still in there. How do we see them fitting into this playoff fight as A, they're the next opponent for the Flames, and B, they're a team that Calgary might very well be fighting with tooth and nail right to the very end?
0: Uh, I don't love their chances, to be quite honest. They're, they're a team that uh, they've been bad for so long, they're going to have to prove it to me. Uh, there are just too many teams between them and the playoffs and not enough positive history for me with that hockey club to, to believe that they're going to do it until they actually go out there and do it. Uh, they've got some really good young players. There's no doubt about it. Clayton Keller, of course, is the, at the top of that list. Uh, I don't trust their goaltending. Connor Ingram's been the better of the two. I'll probably see him tomorrow night. Um, I just, I don't look at the coyotes and think to myself that they're better than any of the teams in front of them, at least not right now, a year or two or three from now, that could be the case. Uh, They've got, again, a lot of good young players. They've got uh, some picks. They've got some prospects, but right now I, I don't think that they're more talented then the blues the flames the kraken the orders or the predators so i don't like their chances
2: yeah that's fair i'm kind of surprised that they're still kicking around in this wild card chase into mid-january they're sitting according to money puck at a 17.6 percent chance of making the playoffs by comparison the flames are at 19.4 just for some context but going up and down the arizona coyotes roster and looking at the stats and everything i just don't see the depth that's going to be needed to overtake. This is going to be a seven-team battle for five spots. And sure, we'll see some teams fall off along the way as we get closer to the trade deadline. I'm sure a couple teams end up being sellers and, and weaken their roster for the sake of trying to build something for next year or for the future. But I just looked through the depth charts, particularly on defense for the Arizona Coyotes. Um, they've got some really good young elite talent coming up, but they they haven't peaked yet. They haven't hit their full on potential and I look at their defense and I just kind of question whether or not it's deep enough to sustain a push to the playoffs when you're competing with, you know, five other teams to, to try and unseat one of the two wild card spots. I just looking at their roster. The, the one thing I do like is how Connor Ingram has played uh, this season with a 2.51 goals against and his 919 save percentage is elite amongst guys that you'd consider starters yeah, at this yeah. point. But I don't think he's got a long enough track record as well as a quote unquote elite goaltender to help push Arizona over the top. Like I just don't see the overall organizational depth from forward to defense and potentially Connor Ingram holding on to keep them in the fight. So do I see
1: Arizona being one of the eight teams when it's all said and done? For me, I don't. I, I think that but but I would not. I think it's really important A, not to discount them Tuesday night because they did not love how uh they did not love how Thursday went. So Arizona's going to push back I think or you'd expect they would push back with a much more urgent effort uh on Tuesday compared to what we saw at Mullin Arena. That's that's something to watch out for. And I I just I don't think guys they're going away in the conversation. I I don't have them being one of the teams when it's all said and done. But I think that their work ethic and their goaltending and some of their underrated top-end talent, I, th- I think that they stay competitive. I do. I, I don't think they fall completely out of this thing. And right now, Connor Ingram's tied for eighth overall in save percentage this season based on goalies with 10 or more starts. Eighth overall for Ingram. And, and and the game was completely different when Ingram was in on Thursday than when Vamelka was in. So, do I think that they're going to make the playoffs? No, probably not. Do I think that they are going to remain competitive and remain a tough out for a lot of teams? I actually do. I I I'm I'm quite curious to see the type of fits Arizona might give some teams down the stretch here because I think they're that type of team. I really I think they're that. They've got that pesky nature about them. And I think they're going to be a very difficult team for a lot of other teams to handle as we uh, move down the stretch.
0: Yeah, I don't see it the same way, to be honest. And I'm not, I'm not trying to disrespect the Coyotes. I think they're well coached. I think Connor Ingram has been better than I thought he would be and maybe even that they thought he would be. And he's given them a chance to win most of the games that he's played in. I do not like their defense, fellas. Sean Dersey is their number one defenseman and I like but don't love their group of forwards at least not yet Uh, again Clayton Keller is their best forward and I don't think it's particularly close so I just I don't think that they can hope that Ingram steals enough games for them between now and the line to to keep them in the playoff race I think they're probably going to fall off but I also think that they're a team that uh, has not yet fully developed so I do think that uh, they're going to be much more competitive moving forward and since I misunderstood your question in the first place just to wrap it up in a bow uh, and you and I were having this conversation off the air after practice today if the Flames can for the most part keep their team intact they've got a goaltender in Jacob Markstrom who is playing as well as any goalie in the league right now if they get Oliver Shillington back I love their top five in defense and right now for the first time all season They've got three forward lines going. And if that fourth line can find some sort of identity, that's the team I envision the Flames being. Not only this season, but going back to last season. So big game tomorrow night, proverbial four-pointer. Flames have played really well to start 2024. A tough seven-game stretch, which was basically a seven-game road trip with a stop at home to unpack and then pack the suitcase again. They go 5-2-0. and oh. That's the type of start they needed to the calendar year. See if they can keep it going and make it four in a row for the first time this season tomorrow. Uh, have a wonderful rest of
1: your Monday. One more day, you really got to stay warm. So uh, stay warm. We'll uh, see you at the Dome on Tuesday. Thank you, Wilson. You too, guys. Thanks. That is Derek Wills. He's Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg, and that is our Daily Flames Roundtable to wrap up the hour. As always, uh, thanks to uh, Cam and Azam, our producers. And as always, uh, the Daily Flames Roundtable is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Mercedes invented airbags and automatic braking systems. It makes sense they came up with the unparalleled EQ lineup. 0% lease rate on select 2023 models. See in-store for more details.